Hey, boppers. Grooving Movies is a podcast devoted to cult, vintage horror, exploitation, and pre-Haze Code films. Join Eddie French, Emma Tidswell, and Tom King on Grooving Movies every Monday. Can you dig it? Talking about pop music. Okay, welcome to episode fourteen. Uh, we, we've made it to fourteen. Fourteen episodes. It almost seems too many. Yeah, uh, not legal yet, but we are. Wow. But wow, we're fourteen. Mike. We're fourteen. We're fourteen years old. Yeah. No, we're fourteen episodes old. We're fourteen episodes old, and this week's episode is historical epics. Holy shit! Now, what do you mean about uh, what do you what do you mean when you say historical epics? Exactly. Uh, I suppose it is a kind of broad term, but I feel like I know exactly what I mean. I mean those <laughs> those three to four hour movies about about big hi- historical events, uh, about characters from history, uh, normally involving colonialism of yeah, some kind yeah. and a bit of racism so are we talking um, dad movies or sunday movies or sunday dad movies or those kind of movies that you watch on a sunday afternoon with your dad this definitely feeds into the dad genre yes um timely because father's day oh yeah i mean i don't know how we're putting this podcast together but am i allowed to mention Shit, father's yeah. day no no yeah 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 um so this is it's a sort of dad movie episode but we don't want to um, completely restrict ourselves to sort of dad movie genre thing because that again that's a wide sort of uh, that's a, that's a wide pool that I mean when you're talking about dad movies you could say Father of the Bride you could yeah. say Free Men the Baby um, well you could say any war movie or western yeah any film well. that has dads in um, Ang Lee's Hulk um so <laughs> this is a subgenre yeah, of yeah, yeah. of the dad film. So historical epics, the kind of film that you'd watch on a Sunday, as Red says, usually a good few hours long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh you know what we're talking about. And you will when we talk about the actual movies that we watched uh, to research for this episode. Yeah, I mean, well, to give you some examples of movies that we we aren't reviewing but sort of put you in that ballpark, you know, movies like Spartacus. Ben Hare. Yes. Uh, th- those are I'm I'm out. <laughs> Gladiator. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, what else? Doctor Shivago. Oh yeah, yeah, Doctor Shivago. Howard's End. Oh, Passage to India. Mm. Room with a view. Oh, uh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought I was uh, getting an Airbnb. Um, but yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, I hopefully at home you get. If you're not home, maybe you're in a car. Well, whatever. Hopefully, listener, you understand what we mean. Now, uh, it's probably worth saying how this, the idea for this episode came about. For me, this came about because I have recently had a couple weekends where I'm uh, alone in the flat. Because obviously you, you go back and visit your kids on weekends. I do, because um, I legally have to. <laughs> I'm, and I like, I love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I I love that's not the only no, I love them. <laughs> um, but I've had like, you know, some long weekends alone. And I've wanted to fill those with uh, movies that are generally too long for their own good. Yeah. So I started with Lawrence of Arabia, which is just a movie that I've never really watched all the way through because it's it's too long to do that, isn't it? It's one of those films that, and like, I've definitely seen it as a kid, but yeah. I've just not really taken it in, you know what I mean? And another another big one like that, Dances with Wolves, which is one of my dad's favourite films. Yeah, that's like It's about three, three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine hours. And... <laughs> um, uh, and I've seen it, but like, all I can remember is Kevin Costner just sitting on the floor with some wolves walking around and him by a fire. I don't know, but it's it's meant to be incredible. So yeah, so Lawrence of Arabia, the same. I've sort of seen it. Um, 
There were a few films that I think... Who directed it? Was it David Lean or was it... Oh, now you're asking. I think it's David Lean. But, um, and I believe he did uh, Matter of Life and Death, which I really want to see starring David Niven. Mm. Um, so there was lots... There's lots of films that we could have watched. There's a lot of films out there. Um, Lawrence Arabia, I would like to rewatch, but you did watch it. No, I mean, it is a good film. Uh, and it really, I was really surprised by how it drew me in at the start. Because, I mean, I, I feel like its start is much stronger than its end. Um, but it's, uh, it really brings you into, draws you into the character. I mean, obviously, um, a fantastic performance by Peter O'Toole. I was going to say, Peter O'Toole is a fantastic actor. He, does some, he did some great work uh, later on in his life. Mm. He did a film with uh, the current Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker, um, called Venus, uh, when he was an old man. And yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he meets this um, girl who's trying to break into his flat, and they form like this friendship. It's weird. Um, but it's a good film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's a great actor and lots of great stuff. One thing that I found really interesting about this film is that, for me, Peter O'Toole bared a striking resemblance to uh, Michael Fassbender. He, he looks very Fassbender-ish in this. And we were yes. talking about a possible, if, it, if we remade Lawrence of Arabia, who we would cast. Yes. And, and I think uh, Michael Fassbender would be perfect for he t- Peter O'Toole. He totally would. And I can see, and you can see little, there must be influences there, or you can see with Fassbender with various mm. actors. I can see a bit of Roger Moore sometimes in Fassbender as well. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but uh, lots of actors, in the, you know, you can see. And I think we um, have possibly Fassbender in mind for another remake of a film we watched later on, but we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. But he's he seems like that kind of actor. He could do those kind of roles. He could do a big historical actor. Yes. Epic. I'm sure he has done. But like, yeah. I'd like to see him in more of those roles. Yeah, totally. Uh, lots of things to like in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. If you're a fan of, or if you've ever wanted to see Obi-Wan Kenobi blacked up, now's your chance. Oh. Um. <laughs> uh, good old Alec Guinness. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We were just watching... Alar Guinness in this. <laughs> <laughs> we were just watching um, an Ealing comedy uh, called The Man in the White Suit. Yes. Uh, with Alec Guinness. And uh, they're showing all the old Ealing comedies on... Uh, BBC this week or the BBC iPlayer they'll be on but um, they are sort of old people dad films <laughs> one of the more impressive aspects of it is uh, is its portrayal of like uh, the duality of war uh, the consequences of war um, and you definitely see that sort of madness in Peter O'Toole as Lawrence of Arabia um, you know questioning whether what he's doing is right and I, I I just feel like there are strong ties with this and sort of uh, movies of like uh, from like the Vietnam War genre, for instance, uh, about the the horrors of war and it going too far. And it's sort of starting out as, you know, some young boys going off to a far country on a bit of like an adventure. Uh, but actually, like the true reality of that is uh, is fucking awful. Yeah. And, and it, it, this movie does that very competently for a movie made uh, so long ago. I will definitely uh, revisit it um, because I like sand. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of sand in that, I believe. Yeah, there's quite a bit. Also, it's famously um, one of the few movies that were made uh, without a single female actress. Um, Like, every single actor in the movie is male. Right. Um, Even in, like, huge crowd scenes, every single person is a man. Um, Really? Yeah. Even the camels? Oh, hey! Now you got me thinking, Mike. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, you're right. Don't get the hump. Anyway, moving on to a movie that we've both seen. Um, after watching Lawrence of Arabia, which I really, really loved, uh, you came back, um, and it was a Sunday evening, I believe, or I Sunday afternoon. Back, I came back earlier than usual. Yeah, I believe, and. Uh, you were about to do something dangerous that I, I really didn't... I really wasn't sure that you fought through, and I didn't know whether I should stop you or whether I should involve myself in it, or I don't know. I was quite what, taken aback. What Mike's talking about is um, he came back and I was about to watch the entirety of Das Boot. Yes, that's right. The king of dad films, Dad Boot. <laughs> you were about to watch it, and it's like, what's... Seven days long, so we're going to be there for a yeah, week. Yes, it's three, <laughs> yeah. three and a half, something like that. Yeah, it was three and a half hours, I think. 
Um, I, I mean, I, I, I jest um, because, like, it's just got it's got that much sort of reputation around it. I think Das Boot um, as this long, drawn out big film. There, there, there's a great joke in Peep Show where um, Mark goes around to. Um, uh, is it Sophie's house? So yeah, yeah, Sophie's house, and he's got the full sort of director's cut of dustbin. <laughs> so he's got her there yes, for like four hours. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and it is um, like it's just it's one of those films you, is referenced so much, and you know you sort of know in your head, and you've seen bits of it, but you. A lot of people probably just haven't actually watched. It, it's worth mentioning as well. We couldn't find, or sorry, I, because you were not convinced at this point on watching the whole of Das Boot. Well, I was taken, but I didn't know what to think. <laughs> um, I was looking for Das Boot online and I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, I couldn't find like a dubbed version, or sorry, a subbed version um, anywhere. So uh, in the end, I ended up actually traveling to town and buying uh, <laughs> a Blu-ray of, of Das Boot and coming back. And uh, after about half an hour of it being on, you were sort of like drifting in out the kitchen. After about half an hour, you were in as well, because I, I was know. in from the off. I know. Well, I tried to resist it. I mean, you were really committed to getting that DVD, like, that Blu-ray, because like... <laughs> oh, it was we went, literally like... Uh, we went to as, Sainsbury's. As it was closing. Oh, yeah. you went to Sainsbury's we first. We went to Sainsbury's, and uh, you did... Yeah, it would be like... We were, oh, oh, Okay, we were just on the off chance that it would be there. Only because there's there's a random mix of stuff in, in Sainsbury's. We got the Police Academy box set. I in have research. seen Das Boot in yeah. Sainsbury's before, yeah. definitely. But they've got all sorts. They've got the the BB, the the old BBC Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They've got the Police Academy box set. Um, they've got all sorts. So why wouldn't they? But they didn't. And so you went to town. You eventually got it. Came <laughs> back. Whacked it on, wasted no time because by that point we were yeah it, we going into it. the evening. So you know you've got to really get these things on quick on a Sunday. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, like I'd say if you get if it's getting past four p.m., you've missed your chance. Yeah, act quick. Well, I think we were about half four. We were in the that's true. Zone. We were in the cutoff point. Um, but it finished in a nice time, and we managed to fit in three films that night, which we'll get <laughs> I to. Think we did, yeah. but um, <laughs> but I know, yeah. But we started with Das Boot. Um, and as you say, I was a bit reluctant at first, but it's just so strong and it's just so well made. It's, I just, I was, I was, yeah, I was drawn into it. Totally. I've been putting off watching this movie for a decade. Uh, and honestly, it's so well made. It's brilliant. It's so well acted. Um, it, like, obviously I'm watching a remastered version. So, uh, all of the, the old sort of effects are sort of fixed up to look, uh, at least passable. Um, but it, it's just a really strong movie, like so well acted. I really believe in the characters. I really believe that they're stuck in this situation. Um, and obviously the setting of a submarine is, is, is harrowing and terrifying. And I, I feel like no one has ever bettered the submarine setting than, uh, than, than, than the, the movie Das Boot. No, totally, because we were even discussing doing a submarine episode, which would just be a bit weird. Um, yeah. But we were trying to think of other submarine movies, and obviously you think of the obvious ones, um, like Crimson Tide, Hunt for Red October, there's one called U571 or something. Was it, was it Black bon Gold, the, the Jude Black Law Gold. one recently? Jude Law, Black Gold, yeah. Um so, but then that was just a bit, uh, yeah, a bit weird. <laughs> I don't know if we could have done a whole podcast uh, about the old submarine. But uh, a yellow submarine, good one. Oh, nice one. Uh, nice music as well. Yeah. Um, my uh, two-year-old daughter loves that. Sends her to sleep, uh, the the film. Um, <laughs> that's not a criticism. It's a good film. Um, well, yeah. People probably wouldn't think so. I do. Anyway, where was I? Um, we were talking about uh, submarines. Yeah, yeah, submarines. And it's just, for a long film about a load of beardy men in a submarine, you would think it's just going to be fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. I, I really it's can't not. recommend it highly enough. Um, again, I suppose uh, it mi mirrors the themes of... Um, of Lawrence of Arabia in like the idea of like the, the horrors of war, uh, the realities that um, everyday men have to go through to um, deliver the message of their superiors, I suppose. You know, like a, a lot of these movies are about um, people on the front lines doing work for, you know, people in offices far away. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, fighting someone else's war. And it's so interesting, this film. And 
there's so many moments in it which I mean I, I've done well to like avoid any spoilers about what happen, happens in it it's alright I mean it was made in like 1988 no no totally like but like I think people are alright but like <laughs> I found it edge of the seat entertainment I, did, I didn't know yeah. what was coming next and so did I yeah yeah. as you say I was I was not going to watch it and was that it was a testament to the power of the film that uh, straight away the beginning's so sort of strong and the characters you just sort of are intrigued by all of them and um, like I, I love a really well done war movie. Like I love uh, Apocalypse Now. I love Platoon, um, and I definitely put this up up there with those. Um, even on the first viewing, I, I really love Das Boot, and I didn't think that I would. I thought I, I would. I was just going to pass four hours. Yeah, me, yeah, me too. I wasn't <laughs> sure. I didn't think I would love it as much as I did, but um, yeah, it's uh, and we watched it in a strange way. We watched it. We did watch it dubbed because the dubbing was quite good. Yeah, the dubbing was good. I mean, I'm even convinced. Good dubbing. I'm even convinced that the main guy was dubbed by himself. I don't know because he. I mean, it could have been. He's an actor who's he was in a lot of Hollywood movies and British movies and stuff. He was the villain in John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sutter Kane. Yeah, but we also had the dubbing, but we also had uh, subtitles as well. Subtitles as well, which and were different. <laughs> yes, and it was quite bizarre. And I'm kind of glad we watched it like that because um, the yeah the subtitles at the bottom often said something completely different. Well, well not was, completely different, but slightly different to what the dubbing was. Well, there was actually one bit where they were reading out a crossword clue, and the clue and answer was completely different in the dubbing and in the questions. In the in the dubbing, it was about like some sort of like ballerina, and in the in the questions, it was about like some form of wood or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I got confused because I think I followed the question of like in the dubbing, and then the answer in the like sub or the other <laughs> yeah, way around. Yeah, yeah. I, there were a couple of moments when I maybe shouldn't have done. Well, it like that, but I, I actually quite liked the fact that we, we made the full experience of it. Also, um, a fun fact about Das Boot that I didn't know going into it, it was originally made and broadcast as a TV movie. Right. So it was originally split into, I think, three episodes. Okay, well, um, yeah, it makes sense. So, like, really, really interesting that it wasn't originally intended to be uh, a standalone piece, but, but, but I think it, like, I, I would much rather watch it as a standalone. Yeah. But as you say, as a remastered, I don't know, but it's truly cinematic in yeah. the way it looks. Yeah, yeah. Every moment, even the party scene at the beginning, the just when they're driving towards the sea and oh, just, it's, just it's everything. It's just brilliant. Yeah. So good. Dad boot. Get five your dad. Stars, honestly, get five get stars. your dad. Yeah. Get your dad. Sit him down. <laughs> He's probably seen it. He'll sit you down. Um, he'll be asleep in an hour. But, uh, <laughs> <Like you. laughs> yeah, all, all right. No, no, no. Hey, hey, I stayed awake for Dad Boot, I mean, Das Boot, and the two other movies we watched after it. I'm pretty sure you fell asleep during the second two we watched later. <laughs> no, no. What did we watch after those? Well, we watched um, The Man Who Would Be King. Of course we did. And Last of the Mohicans. We watched all three in a day. We did. Because we, re- well, we, we really quickly sneaked uh, The Man Who Would Be King in because I was really eager to watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. felt that this was the time to watch it. And, um, and then we realised that Last of the Mohicans wasn't actually that long. Right, um, yeah. It was about an hour and 40. Right. Uh, which is short for a historical epic. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, let's get on with The Man Who Would Be King, which was a movie that you suggested. I wasn't really aware of this. My brother's a big fan, um, and it was one that I'd always seen bits of, but I was never sure, like, I was sort of in my mind, probably got it mixed up with, like, Zulu and stuff, and early, because it's Michael Caine, Sean Connery. Yeah, which is Um, magnificent to start with. Yeah, and around that time period, you know, Caine was doing shitloads of films, um, Connery as well, but Kane Kane sort of did anything that he was offered for a long, long time. That's mm-hmm. why he was in so much shit. But that's why he was in such brilliant stuff as well. And I generally think he was he was a really I, I really liked Michael Kane growing up as an actor. I thought he was brilliant. Um so this is based on a Rudyard Kipling uh novella. Yeah. Um now in the original novella, um it's sort of a an unnamed narrator. Uh, but in this, they they make the narrator uh, Rudyard Kipling himself, yeah. played by Christopher Plummer. 
So you've got Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty solid cast already, solid isn't it? a solid threesome, you know, and then, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not like that. <laughs> but I, I'd watch that. <laughs> Would I? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then, yeah, Michael Caine and Sean Connery are uh, the two sort of main guys. Mm-hmm. And the um, Caine, it, it begins with Caine telling the story to Rudyard Kipping. They'd met before at a previous time yeah. um, when they'd like tried to rob him. <laughs> and... Uh, Kane appears at the beginning to tell Rudyard Kipling the story about him and Connery and what they got up to. So they sort of like went to uh, this this country near India, I believe. Yes, and... yes. Well, they get out of the British Army and they hate what they're doing. It's quite a dark story about uh, how shit it was in the army yeah. and how some people wanted to get out. So you've got these two Jack the Lads who just sort of fuck off and um, one thing leads to another. And they mistakenly sort of well, they, well, they do actually. Don't, they do go there to yeah. become kings. Well, yeah, and, that, and then it, and it happens. Yeah, but they don't really. Um, it, it, it they happens, don't really think it through. Yeah, it happens in a way, but because well, they are so confident and full of vigor and shit as it starts, but then it all kind of gets out of hand. I feel like we should probably explain what happens in the film a little bit better than we than we just did. Uh, they basically go to this country and. Um, Attempt to become kings, be seen as kings to rule over uh, people. Yes, but, um, they, the, but uh, well, not accidentally, but Connery uh, becomes becomes in a godlike status. Yes, which they don't really envisage happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. And they they get a bit too involved, and, and, then, like, and like Michael Caine, sort of like his advisor. Yes, and so <laughs> and then then there's friction between the two because Connery is sort of accidentally um, mistaken as this god. And uh, Kay, and they have to sort of carry on the deception, but it's all going to sort of crumble in their faces. And, and it reminds me a lot of um, uh, Apocalypse Now or the original story of Apocalypse Now, Hearts of Darkness, um, about this uh, general in the Vietnam War who's um, stationed out in the forest and he sort of like loses his mind and becomes a ruler of all these people and becomes sort of godlike and starts to believe his own myth. And, and this... Um, touches a lot of very yeah. similar plot points. Yeah, and um, I think it, it, it almost sort of goes in a, a kind of weird folk horror turn towards yeah. the end, which I really love. A little bit Wicker Man. Um, yeah, I mean, the film is... it's uh, There's difficult in places to watch nowadays because obviously... They're a bit, they're blacked up. Yeah, times, and it's a bit racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, you know, it's very of its time. And But but as I say, it is quite a dark tale, and, and it is sort of, they really, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it, it's not, like, I think, I don't know if there's any problem about it, it's the fact that Kane and Connery are, pap, are pro- probably just too lovable <laughs> because they're so likeable, but... They're meant to be, I guess, and then, but it really does turn around on them, yeah, and they're totally. not ready for what's going to happen. Now, we were talking about if we were to remake this now, who we would cast in it, and I was saying um, Fassbender for the Sean Connery role, and who are we saying for Kane? Oh, um, um, McAvoy. McAvoy, Fassbender. I forget who we said for Rudyard Kipling. Plummer. We, I'm sure we had a we had an idea, but but the main two, McAvoy and Fassbender. Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good shout. That's good who shout. we wanted to be, Rudyard Kipling. Right. Oh, was it? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. It's a totally good shout. Yeah. But I think it's a great film. I think there's a darkness to it. It's mm. a it's a it's a, a rip roaring adventure, but at the same time, there's a darkness and there's a sort of oh shit you know like i don't know it's it's and i like the horror tinge at the end and yeah they're both brilliant performances and we always say um as well like how we think remakes should be movies that didn't reach their full potential the first time round. and i feel like this is a movie that you could improve um and and would be a good candidate to be remade yes um and i think the the, the cast we've got you'd have to get a good uh, director um don't get Guy Ritchie, that's all I'm saying. Moving on to <laughs> the final movie uh, that we want to review this week, um, which was Mohican. the third movie we watched in a row yeah. on this Sunday, uh, which was... Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Uh, so Directed I mean, by Michael Mann, who directed Heat. Yeah, I completely didn't know that this was a Michael Mann movie. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's the, the best thing about this film, really. Um, the Michael Mann-ness of it, the way it looks. 
um, you know, the, 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 the yeah, I don't want to be the punce that says, oh, I love the cinematography. <laughs> no, bad. But, um, it yeah, does look it great. just looks great. For a movie um, in, in the, made in the 90s, was it? It, it, it does look good. Yes. Um, and we also, we watch this because it's a little bit shorter than most <laughs> historical epics. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Like, I, I do think it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it isn't needlessly long, yeah. and I feel like this is the sort of movie that could sneak into two hours. Yeah, because for me, this blends into that sort of area of Dancing with Wolves, and then you've got, or or maybe even Rob Roy and Braveheart, those kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But luckily, it's not as long as any of those movies. <laughs> now, I found I, I I found the plot needlessly complicated, but well, maybe I'm a bit of an idiot. I agree, me too, but I think, well, it's a mixture. It's There's complicated bits and then there's really simplistic, like the, the main plot is simple. Oh, yeah. And it's simple, but it's just obviously when it crashes into the historical moment. The historical elements are a little bit confusing because it's sort of like, wait, so the, the British are there and the French are there and they're fighting, but then who's the Native See, Americans? Are they on... But then at its heart, it's a simple film, um, a chase movie. Uh, there's pacey moments. It's fast, you know, running around. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, The Phantom Menace, you know, with its, like, <laughs> needlessly complicated stuff about, like, trade embargoes. And then simple chase bits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and then pod racing. Yeah, pod racing. <laughs> got Daniel Day-Lewis running the uh, <laughs> Mohicans. Um, but yeah, there's some great moments in it. it. It looks lush. Whatever happened to Madeline Stowe? I mean, mm. she uh, she kind of has to take most of the work, really. Everyone like yeah. says about Daniel Day Lewis being an actor, but she probably does most of the sort of heavy yeah, lifting yeah, in yeah. that film. Do you know what I mean? Totally acting wise. And interesting to see uh, Jared Harris uh, in this movie early on, um, seeming to have like not aged. Uh, he's like, always like, been the same age he's, he's just been a great actor but he's always just stayed this same weird age that I don't know what age it is but he's an age <laughs> obviously he's the lead in the new show Chernobyl um, which again you would consider a historical epic really yes quite similar to Das Boot because obviously that was a tele- originally a televised miniseries yeah, and depressing yeah yeah <laughs> but Das Boot well it is in, in the future maybe you'll get like five hour cuts of Chernobyl maybe on Blu-ray in HMV Chernobyl. So it's nothing to do with Cher. No, 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 no. I think she was contacted. Oh, was she going to be yeah, in yeah. it? I mean, Cher Lloyd sh- said she'd do it. Right. But they weren't interested. No, no. Well. Hmm. Um, so yeah, any, anything else say on Last of the Mohicans? It was it was perfectly serviceable. Yes, it's a serviceable Sunday cinema. It's a film. It, it hasn't aged film. terribly, although I'm not sold on Daniel Day-Lewis as uh, as a lead in this. He is obviously, um, he, he's he's an amazing blank canvas that can do great character work. He's incredible in Lincoln, and yeah. and I like it when he does um, roles like that. But this, as like a lead action role, he's a bit too dead behind the eyes for me. As you as you say, I think that, I think that is his great skill that he is this sort of a flat. Blank, bang! <laughs> that you can just splash a character on, and he just suddenly works, and he, yeah, and he just he, he can absorbs become it. them. Yeah, absorbs it. But um, but as you said, like sometimes when you're given just a, I don't know if the character maybe the character was developed, and I don't know. But um, he is a bit too deadpan, and he's a bit too yeah flat and dead behind the eyes a little. <laughs> but um. But at that point, he could have gone on and done more action stuff or been more... Yeah, like, that's interesting, isn't it? Because he, So he chose to go down this character route, like this this hard acting route, which I kind of respect more than he could have gone down the route of like action roles, getting like, you know, making a cheap book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> would that be the movie? Phrase. Like his action stuff. <laughs> I'm cheap buck. Just selling a really cheap horse. Yeah. Who are you? I'm buck. Cheap buck. <laughs> Um, my left foot, of course, where he plays Christy Brown, and he can only use his left foot. Have you ever seen it? No. Nah. That's a fantastic film, and a sun and a Sunday movie, but a, you know, a weepy, a Sunday. That's more of a mother, a mum movie. I, I'd watch that with my Irish mother, who is a, she's <laughs> Irish. But that's a, that's a great film, and a, like a biopic, historical epic biopic. And he is fantastic in that, and you've got to give him his due. There will be blood as well. You know, you can't like. 
Yeah, fuck it, you can diss them. <laughs> cool, well, let's get on with our pitches then. Yeah, um, but well done, Daniel Day-Lewis, on all your work, and yeah, good for you. Okay, um, so it's your pitch first. Um, Mike, I'm really interested to hear your historical epic this week. Well, I found this quite difficult. It was quite hard to... I don't know. I mean, now I've gone the route of sort of um, Manny Would Be King sort of novella. It's a fictional story, I'm thinking, but set around a historical big thing. You get me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, forget that (laughs) for a second. Um, Are you familiar with the BBC television programme DIY SOS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Nick Knowles. Nick Knowles. Yeah, big fan. Are you aware that Nick Knowles has written screenplays and made movies? Because he has. <laughs> and there's a film on Netflix uh, where it, it's it's uh, it's called Golden Years and it's about all these old people who rob a bank or they rob somewhere. Yeah. They rob a load of money. Thieving old people. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, over recent years... Is that a Nick Knowles project? Yeah, that's him. He wrote it. <laughs> um, he writes movies, he makes music, <laughs> and he builds um, big extensions on disabled people's houses. Fucking hell. He's a triple threat. <laughs> More than a triple threat. He's an all-rounder. He's just, yeah, he's just a fucking threat. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so I just want you to keep that in your mind. Okay, I will do. Because Nick Knowles is uh, the director, writer, and star of my project. Right, okay, let's strap in, kids. <laughs> okay. And uh, remember, uh, the man who would be king kind of vibe. Yep. Take it a bit uh, a bit forward in time. We're talking, um, originally I was thinking more sort of Indiana Jonesy time, uh, but um, Temple of Doom kind of time. I was going to... Yes, the, 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 the historical period Temple yeah, of Doom time. The Temple of Doom time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is how it was taught to me in school. Of course. Um, I'm talking... Just after night. the medieval period, wasn't yeah, it? No, uh, 1935, okay? If you want specifics. 1935. Right. That's okay. when Temple of Doom set, right? Yeah. Christ. <laughs> but this isn't set in 1935. This is set in 1947. Um, right. <laughs> Two years after the war. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but this is... Uh, British India, the partition. Now, this is um, a really important time in history that mm-hmm. it doesn't get enough sort of coverage in a lot of things. No, really. not at all. Um, it's starting to quite recently. There was a great Doctor Who episode um, about the partition. Yes, yeah. In the yeah. later series, um, again, with Jodie Whittaker, who I mentioned before, um, which is fantastic. And uh, the museum I work at, we're doing a lot of... Um, we have an exhibition, which is... I mean, I was going to even talk about, like... The exhibition is about the massacre of Jawalabag, which is a horrible massacre, which I don't really want to talk about because it's just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want my film to be in any way, but it's set around the time of the partition, 1947. Okay. 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 So quite a sensitive time, mm-hmm, history, mm-hmm. but um, it's a big thing. So, so, so the to partition. deal with this really sensitive subject, you're sending in Nick, Nick Knowles. Knowles. Yes. Uh, well, okay. have you not seen an episode of DIY SOS? DIY SOS. I mean, they are the most sensitive subject. I'm just. You've got people glad you're who, treating it with the respect it deserves. Well, you've got like you know, you've got a guy from Scunthorpe or whatever who's got like a brain disease and like you know, and they need a house, so they need one with that you know, you can get fucking those fucking railings in that you know you can swing people into the bathroom and shit. I mean, Nick Knowles is a modern day angel. He's fucking brilliant. Um, and he does music. He's our Keanu Reeves. You know, all all those memes about Keanu Reeves saving dog homes. (laughs) Well, we've got Nick Knowles. Well, yeah, but he's a bit of a Jack the Lad. He's a bit of a, you know, he gets his willy about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a bit of a ladies man. He's Nick Knowles. Of course he is. He's fucking Nick Knowles. Are you saying he's a sex man? He's a bit of a sex man, I think. But I don't know. He looks after disabled people, so they cancel each other out. All right. Well, he doesn't look after them, but he builds them a fucking garage right okay so so uh nick knowles this is his project and he's the lead actor he plays uh soldier taff laughlin taff laughlin i just came up with that name taff laughlin taff Taff laughlin um a jack the lad uh jobbing sort of soldier 
Um, he uh, meets this uh, like millionaire, sort of disabled Indian guy, right? Yeah. Who lives in this big fucking mansion. Uh, I think he's married to Maggie Smith, like a posh English woman, or right? Something. Yeah, uh, it's dilapidated. Um, Nick Knowles is sort of, I think he's coming to the end of, I don't know, he's going to be stopped being a soldier. Um, a bit like Man Would Be King, but he's not like running off just yet or anything. No. He's trying to do it legit. Well, there's a dilapidated house there that he can fix up. Well, exactly. So he's really in, the character Taff, he's really into like um, building houses and shit. So this rich, um, <laughs> what, what? This rich Indian guy is, uh, wants him to, to, to do up the house, right? Right. Okay. It's a building movie. Wait. You have sports movies. This, this is, is a movie about building. This is merely the beginning. Um, so he's going to do this, but there's an evil, um, another sergeant or his sergeant is really jealous and he wants the building project um, played by Rufus Sewell. You know him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he frames Nick Knowles and gets him put in prison that night. Or they have a fight or yes, oh, no. and he gets thrown in this in this jail on the other side. So you've got like uh, the partition, Bishindia, division of provinces, uh, Bengal and the Punjab. Um, so anyway, he gets, Nick gets sent uh, to this fucking prison. Um, and, you know, really, and then he's fucked off. Rufus Sewell, ha ha ha, laughing. You know, he's a, He's, he's yep. good at being a prick, that yeah. guy. He's got eyebrows. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so, yeah. So now Nick Knowles is in prison. Oh, no. Uh, when he's in the, he's in this prison cell, he meets this old wizard man. Oh, actually, uh, maybe Nick Knowles gets his hand cut off. You know how they do in, like, certain prisons or, like, <laughs> if you've been caught stealing or... I'm thinking of the start of... Uh, Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood with yeah. Kevin Costner, yeah, which yeah. is a sort of dad film like this. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of. Uh, it is. No, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I'm thinking maybe Nick Knowles gets his hand cut off and then he's got a hook for the rest of the film. I'm not too sure. What so do you Nick, think? Nick Knowles with a hook for a hand. Yes, let's go for it. Um, so yeah, he meets an old man in prison played by Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, now I've had Michael Caine in one of my movies before. The, the gangster one but he's a shoe in we've just been talking about man who would be king it's a cameo role he's a wizened old man he so um so basically nick knowles wants to break out of prison to get to this house the big mansion so he, so he can do it up and this is a big journey a big epic adventure <laughs> in india 1947 the british partition kane knows three men who can get him there and they've got these, like, souped-up jeeps and shit, right? Uh-huh. And he needs to meet them. So he needs to break out of prison. He breaks out of prison by doing the sort of Man Who Would Be King, sort of Alec Guinness in Lawrence of Arabia. He, you know, he, he dresses up a bit. You know what he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he blacks up? Yeah, okay. He right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, or, or something around that. He gets oh, so out you're actively putting black, blacking up in your movie? Yeah, but it's Nick Knowles. <laughs> and he's like, he, like out of all the people who's allowed, he's probably allowed. What? So but, Nick Knowles is allowed to black up. Well, I mean, this is 1940s. He's playing a character, Taff Laughlin. Uh, as we were talking about, if we were to remake, if you were to remake the man who would be king, how would you approach those moments? He doesn't have to. This is just an idea because we're in the zone of the historical epic where <laughs> things were different. Okay. Okay. We don't have to. We can have another way. I know it's your film, mate. If you want it in, I don't want it in. I just thought it was necessary to have it in. (laughs) It it was necessary to have in this fictional story that you've created. Okay. All right. He gets out of prison in some way, maybe to do with a hook. Anyway, um, he escapes to meet three men. Those three men are three white, rugged drivers called. Jeremy, Richard, and James. <laughs> now, originally I thought, well, because when we were watching Man, The Man Who Would Be King. What is going on? When we were watching The Man Who Would Be King, I was, I was a part of it, I was like, this is almost a Top Gear film in moments. And I was like. I, I get what you mean, actually. Yeah, and I was like, well, what if they made like a huge Sunday epic? Like a lot of the one hour epics, they were quite epic. I mean, they were awful, they were awful people. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't know why Top Gear, at the height of their fame, never made a huge movie. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, well. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> so they're in this film, right? Uh-huh. These three rugged twats. <laughs> These three uh, knobheads. Um, and they have to take, so uh, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, um, and uh, James May. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I'm not, Supporting these people, mm. James May, I will let pass sometimes because I do like his programs about toys. Yeah, Richard Hammond and James Jeremy Clarkson are shit, but uh, we're going to put them all in this film, um, and they're going to be the free rugged explorers. So we've got a foursome of white rugged explorers or whatever they are uh, going across uh, India to get to this place to beat Ru- Ru- uh, Rufus Sewell to put a conservatory on this. Dis- <laughs> This disabled, um, rich Indian guy's uh, mansion. I mean, (laughs) are there any people who aren't white in this movie set in India? (laughs) Well, I'm thinking of the man who would be king. Well, no, you've got the Indian guy at the house and everyone else. I mean, I've just detailed the four main characters (laughs) who are all white, but everyone else, it's set in India. I mean, I did mention Maggie Smith. But you know, it's it, because it's British. In, you know, it's 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 obviously got a lot of uh, British in there and a lot of. Uh, we'll have loads of Indian characters in there as well. Um, I'm I'm know. really intrigued by this use of uh, so Nick Knowles, who is obviously famous for doing DIY. You've got him in the movie doing DIY as well. I mean, it it reminds me of like was it Escape to Victory or whatever when you've got like Pele doing some football moves on the exactly another Sunday Dad movie Escape to Victory <laughs> starring Michael Caine and Sly Stallone as a goalie. Um, but mm. um, yeah, 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 yeah. Now you getting the vibe um so but you know we've got nick here he can act uh we think okay well maybe he can't act but um we'll we'll, we'll train him to act but he can't we know he can write scripts he's made films that are on netflix he can do the soundtrack he does albums he can do the whole soundtrack but you can't just leave it with what is you can't just leave it as what is essentially a crossover between diy sos and top gear like you've got to have titchmarsh in there somewhere where does Tishmarch fit in this? What do you mean, where does Ground Force fit in it? Ground Force is definitely necessary. He's got a garden. This Indian guy's going to have a garden. He's going to need well, some he... decking out the back. Okay, we've got it. Rufus Sewell. Sewell? Is that how do you say his name? He brings in uh, Alan Tishmarch. Or, or he brings this rogue gardener in to help I him. I think they should bring in the full crew. I think we need Tishmarch, we need Tommy Walsh. And we need Charlie Dimmock. I oh, think... look, we're not bringing Charlie Dimmock into my film. I tell you this oh, every no, time I pitch a movie. Sorry, your movie has to be about white men. <laughs> yes, because this is dad historical epic movies. The man who would be dad. Dad boot. Uh, the man, men. The man who would be king. It's not the Charlie Dimmock who would be queen, is it? I mean, I love women and I think it's great. And, 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 and I hate all these films. They're terrible. I hate white people as well. Good. Um, but what do you think? As a sort of historical epic, Man Who Would Be King style, um, lots of, you know, horrible, terrible jokes and awful so, people just in, 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 a nice, in nice surroundings. Do they manage to build the house in the end? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, after they kill Rufus and Alan Tishmarsh. Well, that's a shame that Tishmarsh dies. I think he's a bit of a prick. He's no Monty Don. He's no Charlie Dimmock. Dimmock's my favourite of the three. Monty Don. In fact, Monty Don could be in this as well. Monty Don's all right, but he does, you know, smells like a Tory. Yeah. But we've got Nick Knowles, and he's he's at the helm, and I think he is the driving force of this project. I mean, obviously, he directed, but, I I mean, you've got... Jeremy Clarkson could bring a lot of ta- well no he couldn't bring anyone in from Top Gear that he hasn't punched any of the crew because I was thinking because you know some of those Top Gear episodes were quite well directed they they looked quite nice cinematography yeah yeah um, but unfortunately no one will work with Jeremy because he punches everyone and I mean they have the weird notion that they should be allowed to work in an environment where you don't get punched by a racist old man <laughs> and, that, and that's just unreasonable really. So I mean, like, any any th- any uh, any love interests in this? Any women yes. at all in this film? Well, that's what I wanted help with, um, because I had these horrible white men, and I need someone to balance it all out. So 
Um, Melinda then, Messenger springs to mind. Well, yeah, but I didn't want... I mean, the reason I didn't want love interest probably because I didn't want to thrust any women on these men. <laughs> I didn't well, want... Well, Nick Knowles I is wanted, all right, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, basically, James, Rich, and Jeremy, they they just fuck each other in a sort of triangle of yeah. um, gammon sex. Yeah. Um, while... while um, Nick Knowles. Yeah, Nick Knowles. Okay, so you're... Yeah, Melinda Messenger. I was thinking Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Denise Van Outen, I think, is more his level in his okay, league. Okay, okay. Queen Latifah? Yeah, I'll take Latifah. Well, we've got a movie then. <laughs> What's to be called? Um, I mean, because originally the, my original working title was a load of old, a load of old pricks and the Temple of Dad. What about um, DIY HMS? Whoa! <laughs> yeah. DIY Her Majesty's Service. You've got it. You know, he, you've got it. Yeah. You've got it. This well, is a good film. Lovely. It's suddenly, suddenly made it. <laughs> that's suddenly a film. I get it. Cheers. Or, or yeah. Top Algier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to get away, and I think they need legally to get away from the Top Gear thing, and I want to get away from that. Because Top Gear now, what is it? It's coming on TV soon. It's fucking Freddie Flintoff and Paddy McGuinness. You can't make a historical epic with those two bastards. Okay. Uh, It's my pitch now. Uh, Now, we've had a lot of fun with Nick Knowles sorting out the partition of India, but I thought I'd try and bring it back to reality a little bit, Mike. Uh, you do know that British partition in India in 1947 was reality. Yeah, but I don't think Nick Knowles sorted it out by building a conservatory for an old Indian man. Were you there? <laughs> no, and neither were the cast of Top Gear. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah, thank God. Thank fucking God they weren't. Anyway, uh, my movie, I suppose, of the films that we watched, it's closest to Last of the Mohicans. Right, so mine was close to King, the man who would be king. Yeah. Yours is close to the Mohicans. So it's sort of, um, it's set on the turn of the 20th century. It's on, it's on the turn of the 20th century, uh, Wild West. Um, and it's about um, a Native American woman um, who, and this is a genuinely true story that I've done like a little bit of research for. And I think she'd be a fantastic person to do a historical epic about. Um, and her name is Oshtish, and uh, she was uh, she was a trans woman. Um, she was like a Native American um, sort of warrior. A trans Native American woman. Yeah, yeah. So wow. there was um, so like like two spirit is like a a gender identity that's always existed in uh, Native American cultures. Um, so she was uh, born of a male body, um, but. Uh, felt she had proficiency in female activities so and would like wear a dress and always refer to herself as a two-spirit, sort of like able of doing both gender roles. Um, uh, so obviously as a non-binary person myself, like I find this quite interesting. Yes, and um, as a Native American person myself. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, sorry, I got carried away. I'm not. Anyway, she's got like a really interesting life. She sort of uh, starts out... Um, she's ba- she is a part of the Crow Nation, which is uh, a tribe, uh, a Native American tribe. And uh, in her early years, she worked as like an artist and a medicine woman, at times a shaman. But then later, she sort of became a warrior. One particular battle which she's quite famous for fighting in, uh, called the Battle of Rosebud, where the Crow Nation which was this uh, tribe of Native Americans, they joined forces with uh, the US military uh, to fight uh, a couple tribes of Native Americans deemed, you know, I guess like bad and savage in that. Um, And so there's a lot of like accounts of her fighting sort of quite ferociously in this war. Um, And this story has been passed down um, because there was like an old... Native American lady being interviewed by a journalist about this war um, once. And she, she was like a little girl at this war. And she um, said, did the American troops ever tell you about the women that fought at the Battle of Rosebud? And uh, this journalist was like, no, we've never heard of any women fighting in this battle. It was always um, men. Uh, and she told them about Oshtish and another warrior 
um, who was called the other magpie, um, who was but who were both women who fought in this um, in this war. And like some of the accounts are quite interesting and quite detailed, actually, for saying there was so long ago um, about them uh, sort of double teaming people and. Um, and <laughs> not in a sexual way with um, say this took a whole turn with uh, with their weapons it's worth well, well yeah with the weapons double teaming <laughs> people with their weapons um the other magpie had a stick that was her weapon she had a stick it was a coup stick um which was basically it's like a tribal stick that they sort of decorated and it had notches in for every person she'd killed with it Ooh. or not every person she'd had sexual relations with no no stop like stop Turning I have this ruined dirty. this. I have completely <laughs> taken this down base level. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, and Crow Nation, I should point out, isn't a 90s industrial metal band. Because um, <laughs> they do sound a bit like that. Sorry, carry on. So you've got these two characters that I think are really interesting. You've got Oshtish, um, a trans Osh- woman. Oshtish. And then you've got the other magpie, who is, to our knowledge, a cisgendered woman. I think Michelle Rodriguez would be a fantastic oh, the other yeah. magpie. Of course. Um, what, for the magpie? Yeah. And what for us? Who for Oshtish? For Oshtish, I'm sort of like uh, juggling a few ideas. I think that um, the actor Zahn McLaren would be really good. He is the Native American in Fargo. Right. In the series Fargo. Series um, yes, two. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes, you know yes. Exactly yes. what I mean. Uh, he's very and, good. and he's in Westworld. Yes, he's and good. He's a fantastic actor. I think he could do it really well. Or I think they could also be played by a cisgendered woman. Um, so I think Julia Jones, who is also in Westworld, she's of native descent. I think she would work quite well. Is Michelle Native American? She's not. I'm <laughs> bending the rules a uh, little but, bit. But Hollywood has done it countless times. You yeah. can do it. I just put a load of white racists in my film. You can do what you want. <laughs> And uh, my final suggestion for the lead role is, uh, of Oshtish. Again, it's diverting from it being a native role, so it's probably not the best suggestion that I've made. But I think Hilary Swank could do it. You mean from new Netflix sci-fi drama, I Am Mother, Hilary Swank? Well, we watched an hour of that last mo- last <laughs> night and turned it off because it was just awful. Yeah, there's a new film that dropped on Netflix, I Am Mother, about a little girl and a droid. Uh, and we turned it off after an hour. It's shit. Uh, <laughs> I preferred High Life. Um, also, Solace was quite along the same lines, and yeah. that was bollocks as These well. These are all sort of sci-fi, uh, boring sci-fi corridor movie, corridor movies, which is usually Red's favourite kind of movie. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the film. Yeah, um, they they defeat the the um, the native. Uh, troops at uh, the Battle of Rosebud, um, and then they're sort of like left alone on their own reservation. Um, to right. live out the rest of their days. Okay. Um, so they've fought hard uh, and they've sort of um, achieved this sort of like nice, idyllic, uh, peaceful life uh, on their own reservation. Uh, at this point, the US government send in um, sort of like a government official. Um, well, they send in quite a few. They, they sort of, they send a lot of missionaries to these reservations. Okay. To sort of like spread uh, European religious Relig- ideology. Right. Okay. Now, the problem with this is that European religious ideology um, is completely at ends, or sorry, at odds with like transgender identities. <laughs> well, They yeah. don't really recognize Oshtish as uh, a woman or a two-spirit. Um, so they basically start forcing her to wear men's clothes um, and to only do male jobs, sort of like forcing her into the binary gender roles. You could call it a forced Mulan. <laughs> Were you going for force majeure? No, a forced Mulan. Oh, okay. Mulan, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, the because, reverse Mulan. Yeah, because Mulan chooses to be a boy. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is a forced Mulan. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, a non-consensual Poss- Mulan. <laughs> I mean, if we don't think of a better title, that's a potential <laughs> A rapey Mulan. Oh, well, podcast title. Right, yeah, no, let's take, sure it back, take, it back, take it back, take it back. Take it back, bring it back. Um, so she's forced into this gender role. It obviously makes her quite like a unhappy and terrible. And there's, there's, you know, years of this sort of like turmoil where she is forced to live um, as a gender, which she is not. Yeah, um, lots of drama, lots of... The people of the Crow Nation rise up in solidarity with her. Right. Um, and there's obviously, there's, there's like a, a, a battle takes place there where they sort of, um, they banish the European settlers and missionaries away um, so that um, their 
two spirits can live as the gender that they they believe they are. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and then and then she dies. Oh, that's not. So I mean, nice. I mean, I'm sort of telling you the bare bones of like the the real story, but I think you could. You know, with a little bit of artistic license. That's the thing. You need to jazz it up. You need to jazz these things up. I've got exactly what will jazz this up. Do you know what Oshtish means in Native American? No. It means, and this is a name that she got from the the Battle of Rosebud um, because of her fierce reputation on that battlefield. Uh, Oshtish means finds them and kills them. Finds them and kills them. Yeah, that's her name. And that's the name of this film. Kills them, and that's what the film would be called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And yeah, that's really good. I think if I were to alter this slightly, I would have her um, kill this. Because uh, I, I probably should say it's like um, there is one specific missionary that's sent to this reservation um, that enforces a lot of these rules. So she has like a lot of personal, um, she has a personal grudge to bear. Right. Now, this person, so it's obviously it's a missionary sent by the US government. I see this guy uh, being played by uh, Roger Allen. Yes, he's you know a brilliant I mean? actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's in the thick of it. Yeah, thick of it as Peter Mannion. Yes, yes, and he pops up in... Uh, he's in Game of Thrones, he's in he, everything. Yeah, he's in a uh, Stephen Fry adapted movie, for, adapted from his novel called The Hippopotamus. But I could totally see him as like a repressed uh, church figure. Uh, totally. And, and to, to jazz this movie up, I think like the final scene would be Osh Tish hunting down and killing this motherfucker. <laughs> For giving her non-consensual conversion therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you would. It's time for a fucking scalping or. Yeah, well, it deserves a little do. bit of like a revenge twist at the S- end. I think stabbing accident. Yeah, I mean, what's typical? We think, and you go and gore. That's the thing with these kind of films because you can never know. Last of the Mohicans has a sort of on the borderline action to you know bloody. I, th- I think this would be very similar to a. Two are like Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Dancing with Wolves, Last of the Mohicans. I still think a little bit a... of blood when it's needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose a restricted certificate would work. I, this movie um, that I'm making reminds me a little bit of um, Martin Scorsese's Silence. I don't know if you've seen that, but I really enjoyed that. It's again about missionaries in Asia. Um, a little bit similar to The Mission, the, the movie mission with was... Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons. Right, I was going to say. <laughs> which is, again, a historical epic. Yeah, yeah. And a great Sunday movie. I, yeah. I love, honestly, go and watch all of these movies if you haven't. The Mission's <laughs> yeah. great. I like The Silence. Yeah, pick a Sunday. A nice Sunday when you've got nothing to do. Das, just watch Das Boot. Yeah, just watch Das Boot. <laughs> Dad Boot. Uh, das Boot. Watch it. It's it's fantastic, uh, but yeah, no, uh, fantastic. Did we discuss the director of yours? No, I mean, like, I'm open to who would want to do it. I quite like the idea of Paul Thomas Anderson. It's about yes, time he did something yes, with a little bit more action yes, in it. I can see that, but when you were saying things to me, I was picturing uh, Mel Gibson's film Apocalypse. You know, a little bit just from the imagery. Maybe are you genuinely suggesting that we let Mel Gibson direct a movie about a trans woman? Because fuck you, Mike Milling. I'm saying <laughs> I didn't realise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to stand by that. No, yeah, actually, because I've already put Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond. We're giving James May a free pass. Um, yeah, it's fair. And uh, and so why? Yeah, yeah. So why not? In the future coming, why not? I mean, we, we live in a very unpredictable time. So in a few years, I probably wouldn't be surprised if Mel Gibson made a film about transgender people. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it's going to be a, Jewish one. a very favourable <laughs> um, depiction of us. But what, what if it was? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mel strange... Gibson, Passion of the Trans. <laughs> Stranger, I'm just saying stranger things have happened. Um, you know, look around you. Look at politics. What's the news? <laughs> stranger things have happened. Um, like Mel Gibson's going to post on Instagram <laughs> just a picture of him in a Protect Trans Youth t-shirt. <laughs> I believe I'm, it when I see it. I'm just saying it's an option. You've got options. He's not directions. Don Cheadle. No, no, but who is? Not even Don Cheadle. Mate, you know what? It's about time Michael Mann made a movie again. He did a good job with Last of the Mohicans. You're absolutely right. This would be a perfect project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it would be a good sort of like re like A re-entry for the man. Wow. <laughs>
Um, again, man, it's very man heavy this episode. I'm very sorry. Um, He's a good director, though. It's oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean man as in man as in man and in man and in men, men. But dads are men, and this is a dad episode. Well, right? I'm, I'm glad that you've you know articulated your point clearly. Well, <laughs> the man who would be man, You're just saying man, man. All right, man. Okay, I'm just going to end this podcast now because <laughs> you're just saying the word man, man alive. Um, See, this is what happens. You mention a transgender woman in front of a cisgendered man and he just and, cannot compute and, and just then, says the word man yeah, and just over starts, and over. And just starts talking about Mel Gibson. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't. I'm like this. I want to change. Educate me. Uh, trans women are women? Well, yeah, I knew that. I'm not Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, uh, what is Mel doing at the moment? Well, he's just done Dragged Along Concrete, which was really, really good. Um, obviously, it's Craig Asala who did uh, Bone Tomahawk and um, uh, Cell Block 99. Now, they're uh, fucking man films. I love everything that he's made. Yeah, he they're al- very good, but they're very man. He also wrote um, a movie called uh, American Asylum, which I would really uh, recommend. I th- oh, no, I think it might be called American Blackout, actually. No, it's called Asylum Blackout, and it was also released as The Incident, I think, in the UK. But that's a really, really good film. Well, he Check did it out. Bone Tomahawk sort of fits into the Sunday Sunday vibe. Kind of does. It's um, a little bit of a historical epic, yeah. but it's closer to a Western. Yeah, it's a Western and a bit of a horror. My dad loved it, but the ending, you know, the, the last 20 minutes are pretty intense, pretty brutal. Um, and cell blo- cell, um, Brawl on Cell Block 99. Um that's a kind of that's a nice Father's Day movie. Well, it's settled then. Craig Asala is going to direct, uh, finds them and kills them. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And be nice to see him have a sort of a strong female yeah, lead yeah, in yeah. a film. Yeah, yeah. No, he definitely needs to do that soon. Yeah. Um. Definitely. Yeah. So Mel Gibson could produce. Fucking hell. <laughs> music.